Our two guests today are the recently appointed board members announced on April 8th, 2022 by the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society en route to the 2022 TD Vancouver International Jazz Festival. They are part of a four-member board with two existing directors as part of a transition plan for the Society, and the festival will take place from Friday, June 24th to Sunday, July 3rd. So please welcome to this special episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast, Julia Uhlela and Meredith Bates. Hi, Will. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate you both taking the time. I'd love to start by highlighting a musical project from each of you because we're all musicians and contributors to this community in many ways. And maybe I could start with Julia because you have an interesting band. I was just chatting with you before we went on here about how I heard Aram perform in a masterclass at CAP several years ago. Um, but he plays in your band, Aaron Bajakian on guitar, and a bunch of other great contributors to this community. You've played at the Jazz Fest multiple times. You've even played at the Vancouver Folk Fest. You've released two successful albums on Bandcamp. So can you talk a little bit right off the top here about your band and the material and what makes it so special? Sure, I'd be happy to. So um, the band you're talking about is called Dalava. And Aram and I, I would say Aram is my partner, creative and life partner. And um, it's some a project that we started. Actually, we had our first record release in Vancouver. We moved from New York City um, to Vancouver so that I could start a PhD at UBC. But this project sources folk songs from a book uh, of transcriptions and also a kind of like scholarly study of folk songs that was made by my great-grandfather, whose name was Vladimir Ulahla, and in his hometown, which is called Strajnica, and it's at the border of the Czech and Slovak republics. And so Vladimir was a plant biologist, and he believed that songs were alive, like living organisms, like plants or animals. And so my dad was a refugee to Canada and then the U.S., and he escaped during the communist era. And I kind of grew up with these songs. Like my dad would start singing at home every now and again. And I visited the Czech Republic many times uh, growing up. But the idea, the premise of the project was, how do you make songs alive? What does it mean to make a song alive? And so the material that uh, we do, are the songs are like these little seeds. And then everybody in the band, Peggy Lee, Dylan Vanderscaife, Colin Cowan, Tyson Naylor, and Aram and myself, are all kind of creative, experimental, improvising musicians. And so we like grow these little, little sound worlds around these songs. Nice. And I have streamed your performance from the Jazz Fest last year. That's the only time I've heard you so far, but hopefully not the last in the near future. So I'm excited to hear that again. Thanks. Okay, Meredith, you have many projects, so I couldn't possibly do them all justice in just this bonus episode because you played on many albums and you contribute to so many things in the Vancouver jazz and improvising music world. But one in particular that's been on my radar is a new album from a group called Gentle Party, that also includes uh, Elisa Thorne and Jessica. And if I'm not mistaken, you're the third of the three full members of that group, right? Yep. Nice. You had an album release concert at the Rio recently. So I'm curious how that was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it went really well. We It was my first um, forage out into the big wide world after um, the pandemic. And, um, and uh, yeah, we had about... 
we had about 300 people out, maybe just over 300, which felt like a lot of people in one room. Uh, but as soon as our brains and minds kind of transitioned out of um, being scared, we had such a good time. It was really great. Um, we've got some live videos that'll come out of it that kind of that do 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 the 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 party justice. Um, <laughs> it the, the sound was great. The band practiced really hard, and we I think we did a really good job of putting it out there. The album is. Chris Jestrin, our producer and and my partner, he 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 kept saying how, like he would call me down, Meredith, you got to see this, you got to see this, and we and he'd show me the computer screen with all the tracks on it, and he's like, how do I mix this? Of course, he's awesome, so he did it. But it's so we were like, okay, that's one step, but how do we perform this? Like, how do we perform this live? There's so many layers to the album, but. Uh, you know, Elisa and Jess are just such great musicians, and we we were performing to backing tracks for the first time. It's it's the most pop thing I've ever been involved in, and it's so fun. It's so fun to have layers and layers of support behind you that you're confident in, because because you know it's going to be the same every time. It's very interesting because I'm not used to that. I'm used to playing free and 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 moving with the music and and this has elements of that for sure. There's a lot of openness and and there's interludes that are free freely improvised by by all of us. But but yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And and then just to invite like I'd never heard Miguel or Clara before and they are phenomenal young musicians. Really really uh moving um in 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 more ways than one, like like Clara had us enveloped and brought us right into her world, and then Miguel just cracked it open and and brought so much joy to the room. It was amazing. And then Las Duendes, those guys are on fire. It was a that was they did great, and it was a big dance party, and the whole sort of community came out to um yeah to to celebrate with us. It was a it was a joyful celebration. I am yeah. envious that I didn't get to be there. That does sound like a great time. Oh, it's uh, so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> so if we turn our attention to your role right now, uh, I would love to acknowledge some of the work that you've done up to this point in the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society in general. And I'm curious to hear a bit from both of you on this. So maybe I can go back to Julia first. But this is an organization that has enriched all three of our lives and the lives of most listeners to this show for sure for many years, if not decades. So maybe starting with Julia first, what would you say are some of the experiences that you remember the fondest or that really stand out to you as ones that have shaped your journey as a member of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society and in this community? Yeah, well, I was thinking when I first moved here, um, maybe like a year after we arrived, I Rainbow invited me to share my work with Dalava in Winteruption, which is the winter festival that Coastal puts on. And I had never met her before, and it was kind of like, I don't know, we had like done some small gigs around town, but it felt like, it felt like an introduction to the scene in a like slightly more high stakes or like formal way and I just remember this feeling of being so like deeply listened to like the quality of listening of the audience for one thing 
And then this whole series of conversations that emerged from that event that have re really stretched years. Um, and I think I, I had like begun this academic work doing a PhD in ethnomusicology, which is kind of somewhat of a conservative field. But Rainbow, after that event, was like, you know, you need to like do these workshops where you bring your theoretical practice and your creative practice together. And so she like created these containers for me to keep sharing my work where a kind of like intellectual approach and an embodied approach could merge. And that was so fundamental to my whole degree. Like I really owe it to her because I mean, at least in the academy, it's like, no, keep your body and your creative practice out of your research in a field like ethnomusicology. And so my life like totally changed because there was this way of seeing what an artist needs that I feel like she had and in general that she engendered in the community or that others in the community also bring this kind of attentiveness to the like imminent poetics of each person like the the voice that each person has the kind of contours of what they need to explore to serve their art and participate in this kind of community thing. And so I just, ever since the beginning, and it's so different than New York, like the pace of Vancouver is so much slower. There's people really take time to, to rehearse, to talk, to have meals together, to listen to music together. Um, and so I guess that's what I, I credit Coastal with a kind of capacity for deep seeing and deep listening and a mutual co-arising. Nice, nice. Meredith? <laughs> I mean, I, I moved back to Vancouver in 2004, and I can't remember when the first festival I played was, but within a year or two of that, within about a year of that, I had fallen in with... Um, yeah, with with these Cap College, Cap College at the time, um, grads, because they heard there was this violinist that improvised on the scene, and and uh, so I fell in with like Jeff Younger first, and then Cole Schmidt, Shannon Scott, all these beautiful musicians that that um, took me under their wing, and we started creating these really cool, sort of larger ensembles with a lot of uh, improvisation and 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 free music but also lots of playing over changes and following forms and all this uh and then within a couple of years of that we were invited to play the festival and it was always the mall i don't these don't exist anymore but there were like tons of mall gigs and tiny little stages and all these weird places there used to be if you talk to people who are like you know even older than me there were there were stages everywhere in vancouver back in the day and we were always given these little satellite gigs all over the place but the thing i'll remember is in 2010 sean cronin a great bass player who's now moved to new york he started a band called very good sean cronin's very good and we put out an album uh, called very good exclamation mark and then the b-side was very good question mark <laughs> and we recorded this it was an awesome band and we played the market stage which doesn't exist anymore but the market stage was where people cut their teeth and we played the market stage and then right after that uh pugs and crows which was this band started by cole schmidt a collective of five of us um we played that that same 
that same weekend anyways. And within that weekend, we were both bands were awarded the Galaxy Rising Star Awards. So so we got this double hitter, little bit of attention. And and that was Ken Pickering and Rainbow Robert. Like like they it's like it's like Julia said, they would infuse you with a, a sense of like you're on the right track. You're doing the right thing. You're gonna, your art should be heard. You're like, like they just give you this boost of confidence and, and the sense of community and being held within that community. Um, it, it was really special and really, um, really, I don't think that um, we would be doing what we do without those, those two specifically, but the whole, the whole community that they kind of created to is it's like a family and and i think whatever i mean my belief is that learning is very cyclical and and so my my other band that's playing this year at the festival like gentle party has a gig but but also a band called like the mind is going to play which is a swedish canadian uh, collaboration which comes out of another initiative by coastal which is the swedish exchange composition exchange and so I met these amazing women. It's six women. And I met these amazing women through this through this exchange. But um, the whole idea is that there's emerging artists, mid-career artists, the dreaded mid-career, and then experienced artists, and that we all learn from one other, another. You know, there's no stop or beginning or um, sense that anybody's lesser than or more than. It's like this beautiful um, coming together of, of our artistic minds and hearts and souls and all that so it's yeah without those two and without coastal jazz I think the city would be quite devoid of a lot of culture and a lot of community like the community is just so strong and I hope I hope the younger generations feel that too yeah interesting context it's really fascinating to hear about that from both of you and to know that there is this good feeling that still persists and that we can keep alive right and that's part of the project here (laughs) so you two are both part of a small but very positive and active set of voices that have been prominent along the way to this transition board that was announced at the beginning of last month. And maybe I can go back to you first, Meredith, but I'll see if Julia wants to add on to this as well. What can you describe about how, among those kind of voices, how you in particular, ended up as the newly appointed board members? Yeah, um, I'll I'll say that um, one of the reasons I felt compelled to join this sort of um, movement to to kind of help evolve the society forward and help through this transition was uh, through COVID, I became a massive governance nerd, specifically around systems change, and developing new models of governance and exploring alternate models of governance and um, tearing down or old models and helping to compost them and evolve them into new, you know, new, um, new ways of doing things, new ways of seeing things. Um, and I think, I think I saw, I think I saw an opportunity to um, help the situation with with these new the new I'd, I'd really went deep into research and 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 joining communities that were like very very on the front lines of of arts leadership and and governance models and and systems change and it it was awesome but uh <laughs> and and i never ever ever thought that this new learning would would get would touch so close to home i oh. never ever expected that to so it was kind of crazy when 
when this situation started uh, and um, and I just yeah I felt compelled to help so 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 I got involved Julia had, had was already sort of part of this team of people that were uh, just talking about ways like just trying to brainstorm it was like a it was like a cohort of people just trying to brainstorm how can we how can we help move this forward in a positive way and so we started these negotiations um and i think it was it was an affinity that was that was sort of there right away um you know uh, i think peggy lee was also involved in these conversations it was julia peggy and i at first and then um and then it just kind of naturally moved towards just julia and i being in the room and trying to uh, reason and negotiate with 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 these other uh, former board members, and I think everyone was earnestly trying to find a way forward um, that didn't tank the festival. The festival is is what's that's that was the important nugget at the end. The goal was let's keep this magical thing going. Let's keep this community together. Let's let's try to let's try to find a way forward that 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 doesn't lose all of the amazing things that we've built together and the legacy of the Vancouver Jazz Festival but that also evolves and adapts into this new world that we're in because this isn't the only organization to go through a structural change in this time like many organizations are having to reexamine their values and their their uh ways of doing things uh, especially in the arts, there's a huge movement towards uh, reflection on social justice and and more forward-thinking um, structures and 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 ways of doing things. Nice, Julia. Yeah, I'll just add that um, it was not by design. <laughs> like, no. like uh. here I am as a member of a board. <laughs> like, never in a million years did I imagine myself <laughs> in this role. No. Um, but it. I was at the AGM that exploded in November and I like have sort of been woven into this whole thing for some months now. And I think for me, a kind of relational ethics that doesn't, um, that doesn't like excommunicate anyone or doesn't just like kick one person to the curb is really important to me. And so moving through this whole thing, I had a really strong conviction that conflict was the grounds for transformation and for healing. And so I really wanted to try and find a way that these like two like seemingly incommensurate positions that really couldn't understand each other, seemed to not be able to understand each other, could find some way um, to use that moment of breakdown to actually open into something else. And I think that that's happening. Like I see positive, what, what I think is so positive and so um, the potential of this moment is that all these lines of communication are open now. It's like so many conversations are happening in the community. Um, between people who sit on the foundation board or funders or like the board members, the artists, the musicians, like all these different stakeholders or constituents in the community now finally are talking about it. And it's clear, I mean, even internationally, people are weighing in. And so it's clear that this organization means so much to people. And so 
how we can like turn it into this into this like healing deepening thing and I think I just was willing to listen or I like I wanted to have these conversations I wanted to like hear what they had to say and then it kind of um it kind of went from there where the communication was open that's what ended up um actually developing into something yeah I just was at the Jazz Ahead conference in Germany in Bremen over the past weekend and um it was amazing how many people had heard about what was going on in tiny little Vancouver, you know, and, and wanted to come up and say, um, congratulations, first of all, which is weird because, you know, sitting on a board is not exactly like my idea of a party, but it's <laughs> good. It's so good. It's so good. Like Julia is saying, the communication has been opened up and like, why not right now? focus on raising the ethical bar of the organization and of arts organizations in general around the world. So many really cool conversations with a diverse selection of people like around the trade room floor, around social justice in the arts and around organizations restructuring. And, and just the, the fact that the focus is on that really beautiful piece of making the world a better place and making the arts a healthier ecosystem for everybody. Like, I love that. I love that people, people from everywhere are thinking about this right now. It's not just being swept under the rug. It's not just a, it's not just a thing that's happening in the moment. It's a thing that's happening over a long span of time. And we're, we're committed to seeing it through, you know? Awesome. This, this is very, uh, yeah, it's very heartwarming to hear from from both of you. You're you're so much on the same page, you know, and uh, you're really representing something. So that's why I wanted to make sure that I acknowledged how you got here. Uh, my last segment kind of goes through three things that come from the official statement from Coastal Jazz on April 8th announcing the transition plan and you both as the new board members. There are three priorities named in that statement for Coastal Jazz in the immediate to near future. And I think each of these, maybe one of you in particular would be better suited to talk about it. But of course, you are both welcome to weigh in. The first one from the statement is, quote, to increase the inclusivity of the board with a commitment to appoint experienced and diverse new members representative of the community within the first 90 days. Now, those first 90 days take us to roughly the end of the festival or within a week after July 3rd, the last date of the festival calendar. So how is that part of this process going so far here in early May? Um, Julia? Sure. Uh, so <laughs> so we, um, the process is going well. I would say we have, um, Meredith and I have been trying to speak to people. There have been people who have sent in their resumes and cover letters. Uh, the staff at Coastal Jazz also has some relationships beginning with possible board members. And so we have uh, a kind of pool of people who've put their names forward. And we have a meeting on Thursday where we'll start to go over those names. And I think that it's very likely that two new board members should be added quite soon. Um, and we're, we're looking to, I think, balance the board. It was an important, it was an important, um, point to commit to for Meredith and myself in agreeing to sit on a transition board, that it not just be me, Meredith, Mike and Mitchell, um, 
all of whom are white people, that our board not be considered complete until it reflects the diversity of our community. And so we are trying to feel into and 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 like assemble the board uh, in a slow, thoughtful, ethical way, trying to ensure that we build it in such a way that it can thrive and succeed. Um, like pre-existing relationships are part of what that is. Uh, thinking about what it means, what what kinds of things we need. Um, to move forward in this way, like having a moderator present uh, at our board meeting so that communication can be healthy and protocol can be established. Uh, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Meredith, that I'm missing. Yeah, no, just just that it is thoughtful and um, and that we're creating a safe place or, or hopefully a safe place for everybody that this this it's like what you said earlier about, you know, how. Um, Rainbow had this amazing talent for creating a container that where people could flourish within that. And, and I think that, um, I think that it would be to our detriment if we didn't uh, first focus on creating a really safe, healthy container that's thoughtful and careful uh, before we invite um, people from diverse communities into this situation. So, so there's kind of two things going on. Um, at, at, on one side, we're very much active in a search for um, people that we have authentic relationships with, or have authentic relationships with the community and the and the board and the staff already, and that's happening. But also that we're we're going through a process amongst the four of us of self-reflection, developing relationships and creating a place that is, um, you know, going to be healthy and, and, and supportive and not um, put people in danger in terms of, of how we interact and how we, uh, you know, the protocols that we follow and the, and the, the actions that we involve ourselves with. You know what I mean? Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's going okay. I think I feel I feel fairly confident. And I, actually, we have this sort of goal of of keeping the transition fairly tight, fairly small, because because um, it is a short term, and it's a uh, there's a lot of work to do. But it's also more about healing, and 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 like composting the old and growing the new and um and just trying to keep it sorry that i keep bringing up compost i know that's a weird image but <laughs> it's really special to me because the flowers that grow from this compost are so beautiful but um anyways <laughs> sorry i'm being silly but like the no the the to, i think that there's this sort of idea that we that we we've sort of agreed on bringing two new members in immediately and then and then perhaps expanding by a couple more within the eight months of our term, but then really doing a proper, open, transparent call for board members to fill to fill the board at the next AGM. Yeah. And making it like a democratic process. Nice. Yeah. Cause the, yeah, the members, the members should have the last say on who sits on their board. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the second priority from the statement is 
And this might apply right back to you, Meredith, because you've already described yourself <laughs> in this episode as the governance nerd. And I think everybody needs a <laughs> governance nerd in their lives. Uh, and the priority from the statement is, quote, external review of governance practices, end quote. So for those who haven't been following as closely, what can you say about how this will work and the benefits that will come after progress has been made on that front? Yeah, I mean, I think we can both speak to it fairly equally because, but but um, I think we've touched on most of it already. We we are I, the thing that we haven't said is how um, we can't do this alone. So we are really we are really calling on the community and and uh, and I think one of the best, most progressive governance practices that that has evolved out of this sort of systems change social justice movement that's that's been resurging over the last couple of years is calling on experts like we are not i i don't think that we can do this by ourselves you know especially as a board of four to six people we need to bring in all of the experts that we can to to lean on those people and to learn from them and to grow the organization in a way that um, is different than maybe what was happening before. So I, I don't think we're just talking about um, an external review by one person or one firm. I think we're talking about really calling on many people that can and 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 from all different levels of of experience to to help us examine what's going on and how we can change for the better and and heal this community and move it forward. You know, um, yeah. I'll also say that part of our, one of our ideas was to form committees, um, which were comprised of both board members and community members, and these outside experts weighing in. So that, again, this open communication that everyone can be voicing what their priorities are, as we form this new thing. And there's I mean, there's very close analogs in the community, like what happened with Push Festival people have lived through that experience of having to like reform their organization from the ashes. And so how can we even strengthen the ties organization to organization or like, again, open the lines of communication so that we can learn from others mistakes and, and like create a kind of healthy ecosystem. Nice. Okay, so the third of the three priorities, and my last question to you is about, from the statement, quote, a revision of the CJBS, that's the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, bylaws. So could either of you elaborate at all on which revisions you and the transition board over the course of the plan will be pursuing? I think that, I think that that's going to become more clear as we work together. I mean, we've been, we've been together for three or four weeks now, so it's, it's still... Um, I think it's still very much in the formative phases. And like Julia said, what we're looking to do is to uh, to first start name name and start some com committees that are not just made up of the four board members, but that really um, engage the community and activate the community in terms of um, bringing those voices to the table and helping us to um, to look at where change needs to happen, you know a lot around um, board terms, um, bringing these bylaws, uh, e evolving them a little bit into um, where we're at as a society now. 
And I'll just add also a kind of reflection on roles and responsibilities, a clarification mm -hmm. around who does what and what is in their realm of of action. And we've mm -hmm. also been working really closely with the ED, uh, Nina Horvath, on, and yeah, just so that everyone feels good about the kinds of roles and responsibilities that they take on. And there's not mm -hmm. a kind of overreach or there's not like a vague zone where it's unclear. Uh, and another thing that we've been discussing that's really important is um, a kind of self-assessment process, an ongoing self-assessment process for the sitting board members so that the, let's say, best interest of the society is never um, eclipsed by like self-interest or making sure that things are that things are moving ahead in a healthy way in a healthy, transparent way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about relationships. It's all about healthy relationships, I think. And so far, it has been really good. It's been really positive, And I feel good about who's who's how the conversations have been going. So I think we're I think we're moving in a good direction. Very nice. That's great to hear. Well, you've both been very generous with your time. I really appreciate your responses and engaging with the Rhythm Changes podcast here, sharing what you're up to. As an active member of Coastal Jazz, I'm feeling very happy to have you on board. And Julia and Meredith, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thanks, thanks so much for Thank having you. us, Will.